Welcome to the Dayspring Audio Library, the teaching ministry of Pastor Daniel Rehoff. Thanks for joining us. We hope this message will have a powerful impact on your life. So sit back and enjoy today's time in the Word. What I'm going to talk about today is a message that, uh, that I'll tell you, can I, just, can I just talk as the pastor to the church? I think our church does what I'm going to talk about today. I think we do this very well. I, I think we do it very well, but I do think that we as a church need to be reminded about what we're going to talk about today. I, I think we're good, but I always think that there's room for improvement uh, here's what I know. I know that society has just got an awful lot of problems. <laughs> and I know what we're going to talk about today is going to become a bigger and bigger and bigger deal in the future. Why? Because the problems in society, church, are going to keep getting worse and worse and worse. I, I'm an optimist by every stretch of the imagination, but my Bible says that just the reality of, of human nature is that society is going to, as a whole, is going to continue on a downward trend. And and the reality is this, church, it's going to be a lot harder, it's going to be a lot harder to be a Christ follower in the years to come. It's going to continue to be easy to be a fan of Christ. That won't be a problem if you want to be a fan. But to be someone that's actively following in the teachings and the discipleship and, and, and the preaching of God's Word is going to become harder and harder and harder because the world just naturally just naturally is going to keep pushing back, pushing back, pushing against it. So uh, it's going to be harder, and, and our society we know is in total shambles. I mean, I, you know, we look at the pictures of what was happening in Kenosha a while back. We look at what happened in Portland, you know, even just this last week or two. Church, that's, that's just not normal, okay? That is not normal behavior when people are so upset that they have free reign to go destroy other people's property. I don't care whose property it is. I don't care if it's the federal government's property or if it's someone's personal property. When you have a bad day or when you disagree with something, you can't just go burn a building down. Parents, you teach your kids, right? Well, just because you don't, you know, want to eat your broccoli doesn't mean you can go burn the house down or you can go throw a fit or whatever, right? Uh, you say, no, you don't like your broccoli. That's too bad. You're going to eat your broccoli. Unfortunately, then you get old enough and you don't have to eat your broccoli anymore. But, but we just know that, that the world is in a mess and the world's in shambles and it, it's no secret. But um, people in the world are miserable, okay? Society is miserable. They're not happy. It's, it's miserable. It's, it's sadness. It's, 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 uh, it's distress. It's dysfunction. And the Bible is pretty clear about painting a picture about what we, we, myself included, as Christians, as part of a church, what we should look like. Now, what I'm going to talk about today is going to paint a picture of what we, the church, should look like and we should act like. But I'm going to say this, that what the Bible paints a picture of what we should be doing and how we should be treating one another is totally countercultural to what the world says they're going to do or how they're going to act. So as, as, as Christians continue to follow this book, and don't move from the left or from the right of it, but just continue to follow this book, it's going to appear to the world farther and farther and farther and farther away from what's considered normal until we're considered weird. Now, 
I'd have to say this. The fact that you were together on a Sunday morning having a church service already classifies you as, as weird. So just get over it. Just accept the fact that you're weird. You're in church. You're not on the lake. You're in church. You're not out for a bike ride. You're in church. You're not out uh, looking at the leaves. You're in church. You're not sleeping in from a hangover today. You're in church. You're already weird, so just get used to it. Amen, church? <laughs> All right. Take your Bible if you've got your Bible. We're going to look in the New Testament, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12. I want this to be just a short Bible study. I think this will be good. But, <coughs> excuse me, this will be important for us to really understand what the church is supposed to look like. Take a look here. Follow along as I read it. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12. For as the body, the body of Christ, the, the church, believers together, is one and has many members, and all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. So verse 12 tells us that there's, there's got to be uni, uh, unity within the body of Christ, within the body of believers, the church, all right? Look at verse 13. For by one Spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one spirit. So, so that verse is saying it doesn't matter your social, it doesn't matter your, uh, uh, your, your, your ethnic background, it doesn't matter your standing. The bottom line is we are part of one body and we're all equal in that, okay? Verse 14. For the body is not one member, but it's many. So there's many parts of the body. Now this is where the illustration gets a little interesting. And the, the writer of this is almost humorous when he writes this. So... Follow along, kind of think of the word pictures as we talk about this, verse 15. If the foot shall say, because I'm not the hand, I'm not of the body. Is it therefore not of the body? So this is kind of funny. Just imagine your foot, everyone think of your foot for a second, and imagine your foot talking, all right? Where would the mouth be if it was on your foot? Where would it be on the bottom? Would it be on the top? I don't, I don't have any idea. The guys in this room are thinking, I don't even want to think of my feet, <laughs> let alone think of my foot talking. But it's saying that. It's saying, look it. If the foot would say, because I'm not of the hand, I'm not of the body. So is it therefore not part of the body? Well, this is silly. This is a silly illustration. Verse 16. And if the ear shall say, because I'm not the eye, I'm not of the body. Is it therefore not of the body? So both are important, right? I mean, the foot's important. The ear's important. The eye's important. They're all important. Now, let me ask this question. Pause. Does anyone want to live without any of those parts of the body? No. We, we all want to have our feet, our ears, our eyes. Of course, we want to have the parts of the body. We want to be fully functional, of course. Verse 17. If the whole body were an eye, where were the hearing? If the whole were a hearing, then where's the smelling? So, so just imagine for a second, if, if we're just like this huge eyeball, you know? And just a huge eyeball, and, and you walked around, and well, where would the hearing be? Where would the talking be? Where would the smelling be? It just wouldn't work. And you'd say, well, that's just silly. It just, it just doesn't make sense. We, in order to function correctly, we have to have all different parts, right? And all the different parts are going to work together, just like with our body. This is one body, but it has all different parts. Well, this is one body, but there's all different parts in this room. Okay, you following along with the illustration so far? All right, let's keep going. Verse 18. But now has God set the members, every one of them, in the body as it has pleased him. Do me a favor. Take your pen and underline those last two words, pleased him. So we've got this illustration of the body, and God said, guess what? Every single one of you may be a different part of the body, but you all have a purpose the foot has a purpose, the eye has a purpose, the elbow has a purpose, the kneecap has a purpose, all right? 
We all have functions. They're all important, but what is the unique part about it? They're all different, but they're all part of the same body. Okay? You with me so far? Shake your head if you're with me so far. No one's confused. You got this? Verse 19. And if then we're all one member, where's the body? Verse 20. But now are they many members, yet but one body? And the eye cannot say unto the hand, I have no need of thee, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. Nay, much more these members of the body, which seem to be more feeble, are necessary. Would you take your pen and underline those two words, more feeble, are necessary. So he keeps going on. He's saying, listen, there's all different parts. As God pleased, as God chose you to do your part, and much more of those members of the body, even those which seem more feeble, are more necessary. Right? We all, you know, when we talk about this passage, we talk about what part of the body. If I were to ask you, well, what part of the body do you want to be? You know, everyone here would say, well, I want to be the hand. Or I want to be the mouth. You know, or I want to be the eyes. I mean, I want an important part. But this passage is saying, well, yeah, but wait a second. There, there's parts of this that this aren't as attractive. There's parts of these that aren't as prominent. But they're probably even more necessary. You know, it'd be like saying, you know, uh, which one of you wants to be a spleen? Well, I don't want to be a spleen. Or which one of you wants to be the appendix? I don't want to be the appendix. Which one of you want to be a liver? Oh, I hate liver. You know, <laughs> but it's just as important, right? Which one of you wants to be the stomach? Well, I don't want to be the stomach. Well, you need a stomach, right? <laughs> but the same thing, which one of you wants to be a foot? Oh, I don't want to be a smelly foot, you know. But it's important to have it, right? It's an important part of the body. It makes the whole mechanism work together. Verse 23, and those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, upon these we bestow more abundant honor. And our uncomely parts or unattractive parts have more abundant attractiveness or comeliness. Verse 24, for our comely parts have no need, but God hath tempered the body together, having given more abundant honor to that part which lacked. So he's saying, listen, all the parts of the body, all the parts are, are important, and, and, and there's prominent ones. And, and yeah, we all wish that you were the hands or the feet or the mouth, you know, some, some piece that everyone saw. But all the parts are just as important. Verse 25, why? Where's the answer? That there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care. Would you underline those two words? The same care, one for Another. We all need to have the same care one for another. Why? Because everyone is important. Because every person in this room is important. And we're encouraged here to, to exercise extreme care equally for all people. Now today, we set apart a day that we honored some parts of the body that serve our nation. And that's good. That's a wonderful thing to do. There's nothing wrong with that. Okay, that's great. And a lot of you got to stand up today and, and you or your family members were honored as you served our nation. That's great. But, but we don't look and say, well, then, then everybody else that hasn't served our nation or everybody else that hasn't served in the armed forces or everyone else that's not a first responder, you're not needed at this church and you can just leave and never come back. No, of course not. All the parts are important. It's just different parts have different jobs. Verse 26. And whether one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. Or one member be honored, all the members rejoice with it. So, so our reaction to when, whenever someone's going through suffering or, or someone's going through joy should be similar. The church needs to show genuine care for those that we honor and for those that are suffering. Those people that, that, that are having a good day and for those people that are having a bad day. For those people that are healthy and for those people that aren't healthy. 
And we don't just get happy when the happy things, and then, and then we hate with things that just aren't pretty and things just aren't going the way we want them to. The Bible says we need to show care for all people with no preference. That we need to show love to everyone with, with just no preference. And, and we've got to never forget, church, because we get so hurried and this church is so busy that, that sometimes we just delay in caring for people. Sometimes we just forget that, that other people might be having a hard day or a bad day, and, 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 and sometimes we just forget about it because we're so busy doing stuff. We get so consumed with the election that for, we forget that there's people hurting. We forget that there's people sick. We get so consumed with, with our vacation or our time off that we just forget that there's still people that are in need or people that are struggling or people that are hurting. And it's easy, church, for us to forget to care for one another. That, that's just the bottom line. It, it's just easy to forget. It's easy to be so busy with what we're doing that we forget about some parts of the body that, that may just be hurting and may just be suffering. And, and there's all different kinds of people in the church. And some people in the church, it's easy for them to show care. Some people, you, some of the people in this church, mercy is just a natural gift for you and you just are wonderful at showing mercy. I already told my wife, I have a list of people, that if I get sick and I have to go to the hospital and I'm stuck in a hospital bed, there's certain people that I want in this church to come sit by my bedside because you just are natural at showing mercy. Then I have a list of people that I don't want coming in the hospital room. Most of you are on that list. <laughs> Amy, do not let so-and-so show up in the hospital room if I'm in the hospital room, right? It's just not going to happen. <laughs> and some of you are probably the same list. It can be Amy, right? A lot of you want my wife to sit by you in the hospital room, but probably not Pastor Dan, because what will I do in the hospital room? I don't know. Just take the medicine and get better. Go back to work. We'll see you tomorrow. That, <laughs> that's about as good as my bedside manner gets, right? Just I don't have that gift, you know, but some people just really have that. And, and as we're a real family church and as we really care for each other and really, really love for each other, we really ought to, we really ought to become friends with and kind of almost have deeper relationships with the people in this room, okay? That doesn't mean, it doesn't mean everyone in this room has to be a fishing buddy. I'm not saying that, that everyone in this room has to, you know, be the best friends that we go do sports with or whatever like that. But the reality, church, is that we're going to spend the rest of eternity with the other people in this room. It, it's really good for us to be friendly with the people now, at least while we're here on earth, because we're going to be stuck for all of eternity with them, right? And, and sometimes, church, our church family, this family, can really become closer even than our real blood and, 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 and real family. I know for me, and this is, the, this is the, a true thing on my part, this family here, the, this, our church family, really is closer to me than my blood family. It doesn't mean I don't like my blood family. I love them very much. I'd, I'd take a bullet for them. I mean, there's just no, there's no problem with that. But the reality is I'm living my life with you all. Right? My, the rest of my family has moved far away, and they're not close, and although I love them and I call them and we you know, send pictures to each other, I'm living day-to-day life with you guys and your children and your families. And, and, and it's very important to me that we think of all the parts of the body and that they're so important that, that we should just really focus on showing some love and showing some care for each other. And it's easy that, that sometimes when we want to show love for someone or show compassion for someone, the natural reaction is this. What's in it for me? Well, I'm going to help someone out, but what's in it for me? If I go bring a meal to someone... Will the pastor announce my name from the pulpit? You know, will, will I get public praise in the bulletin? It's, it, that's a human struggle that we have that we always want to say, well, what's in it for me? Well, church, listen. Sometimes as a church, you do stuff for other people with, with no thought of return. My Bible tells me that's the true definition of love. When we care for someone else, a, a less attractive part of the family, 
and we truly show love, God says, you know, when you show love with no thought of return, that's the ultimate definition of biblical love. We're not doing it for praise. We're not doing it for a pat on the back. We're not doing it for recognition. We're doing it because we love someone, even if, even if we don't know them that well, even if they're not our best friend, even if they're not the coolest person in the church, even if they're not the most awesome, outgoing person in the church, we still show love, we still show care, we still show compassion. <laughs> when someone's sick, what I love about this church is, is our church is pretty good about getting meals to people that are sick. And with COVID on the rise, more and more people are going to get sick right? It's just going to go around. A lot of you have been quarantined, or your family's been quarantined, or you've gotten it, and, and praise the Lord, you've gotten over it, and that's good. But the reality is, is that kind of happens. More and more people are going to need meals. More and more people are going to need some love. More and more people are going to need a little bit more grace in the time, in the days, and months, and weeks to come. I, I had someone say to me one time, and this was so weird, I couldn't believe it. We were doing meals for a family in church, and this was, this was a long time ago, on a planet far, far away. No one here knows who I'm talking about, so just sit back and relax. But you're all sitting there going, who is this? We did meals, like Meals on Wheels for a family in church, and I had someone say to me, well, I never got a meal on wheels. No one ever brought a food to my house. That's warped. All right, church, would you okay? Well, I'm not going to help that person out because I was sick. So I, well, what was it? Well, I had bunions removed. Okay, <laughs> I guess, I don't know. But is that your attitude? Uh, church, shame on that person. Fortunately, they moved away. <laughs> but genuine care and genuine concern, you know, is putting someone else first and not worrying about getting anything back. Not saying, well, I'd help out someone else. I'd do a meal for someone else if the church would bring a meal to me. Well, church, that's not our attitude. That's not what the body of Christ does. Now listen, church, that's what the world does, Okay? That's what the world does. Well, everyone should be equal, and, 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 you know, if you help someone else, we'll help them, or if they help you, give it back, you know, pay for it. Wait a second. The body of Christ, the church body, we ought to be showing love to everybody in this church and everybody who enters these doors equally, without prejudice, without bias, all of us equally together. And especially, according to those verses, even showing love to the, what does it say, the ones that are really the less comely parts, the less attractive parts of the body, the the, the nobodies in the church. Not just the somebodies, but the nobodies, the everybodies. I had someone say this quote, and I wrote this down a while back. I don't know who said this. I, I, don't, I literally don't know who said this, but I had written this quote down. I want you to write this down. I think you have it in your notes there. Generous people never have emotional problems. Now, I don't know how true that is, but I think in the, the 30-something years that I've been in the ministry... Yeah, I, I think I'd pretty much agree with that quote. I mean, you know, 99.9% of the time, the people that are truly generous with their finances, the people that are truly generous with, with helping other people are the people that have the least amount of emotional problems. The people that I see with emotional problems are the people that are usually, not always, but are usually so consumed with themselves that they're consumed with themselves that they actually end up uh, almost kind of going and living a life of depression and frustration. Why? Because not enough people in the room are looking at me. And it becomes frustrating, it becomes depressing, it becomes consumed. Well, I'm so focused on, on everybody seeing me and everybody wanting to be part of me and how come I don't have all the friends and the whole world revolves around this 
That emotional problems usually follow along pretty closely. Why? Because of selfishness and pride and, and arrogance and, and, and not having that attitude that Christ had of truly genuinely caring, genuinely caring for others. So the Bible says obviously here that when, you, when we care for other people, it actually benefits you. Why? Because it brings joy to your heart to care for other people. When you do something for someone else with no thought of return, God gives you a special joy and a special peace. Why? Because you're willing to put yourself on the back burner, to put yourself on the back burner to edify and to help someone else in the body of Christ, and to help and to edify someone else in the church. And we focus on helping other people and their problems. You know what gets smaller? Our problems seem to get smaller when we focus on someone else's problems. Sometimes, church, I think we need to <laughs> go down to the VA hospital and serve down there for a day or two and get our focus off ourselves and off our petty suburban problems that we have because people have real problems. How many of you remember our, my good friend? He came to church here for a while. He died about a year and a half ago. Bobby. Do you remember Bobby? you remember Bobby? Bobby had no legs due to a drunk driving accident. A drunk driver hit him and pinned him to a wall and his legs were amputated from the knees down. Well, whenever I felt myself being discouraged or feeling sorry for myself or woe is me or no one likes me, I'd go pick up Bobby and we'd go out for a meal. Or I'd go pick up Bobby and we'd go to a brewer's game. And then after you spend some time with Bobby, who had nothing, who had no money, I mean he had nothing, he was, he was as poor as poor could possibly be, he had nothing I, I, think, I think the insurance, when he got his legs cut off from the drunk driving, the insurance gave him $150,000, and that was it. You say, $150,000? Are you kidding me? To, to have no legs for the rest of your life? That's, that's it, you know? Fortunately, our state took care of him, of course. But church, when you help someone like that, you get your focus off my problems and woe is me and no one loves me and no one cares about me because you spend time pushing a guy like that around in a wheelchair who has nothing to give back. You know, we'd go out to eat, and the guy had no money at all, nothing. And you just show your love to him because there's no way possible he could ever return anything. And church, I, I'm concerned about the, the future of our nation. I'm concerned about even just the future of the church in general. That we're so focused on material things that if material things get hard to get, people are just going to fall into an attitude of depression and frustration and discouragement, all because of material things. Well, I'm so upset because gas is going to be five bucks a gallon. Or I'm so upset because, well, time out, time out. We're Christians. Christians, we ought to be totally different than what the world says. We ought to have the joy of the Lord on our faces. We ought to have the joy of the Lord in our heart. We should be the ones in the community that have, are optimistic and that are positive about the future. Why? Because we know that no matter what happens to us, the worst thing that could happen to us as, as, as Christians is that we die and we spend eternity in heaven. But what if? What if, you know, the Democrats, you know, they, they change it and, and, and they expand Obamacare and health care is free. Okay, so what if it is? Health care is free. So what if they, they make it so that all colleges are free? Then I'm enrolling at Harvard and Princeton and Yale all at the same time and I'm going to get my degree because you're not going to fail me, right? Because everyone's a winner, right? So I'm going to get diplomas for free. Some of you were suckers. You actually paid for your college education. I'm going to have it for free. <laughs> but church, we ought to find our joy when we meet the needs of others. And joy is a byproduct of meeting the needs of others, of really caring and, and making someone else's day 
when you put yourself on the back burner and say, I want to help someone else, and, and when, when, when instead of you being the one that posts on Facebook all the bad and the gloom and doom, why don't you post the good things about Jesus Christ? Why don't, have you been taking heaven tracks? Have you been sharing the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ to a lost and dying world? Church, if there's any time people need to hear the gospel, it's today. It's today. A whole lot more than yesterday or last week or last month. They need to hear it. No, Pastor, I just can't seem to find any friends. Let me just tell you this. If, if you can't find any friends in this church, now listen, now some of you aren't going to like this, but if you can't find any friends in this church, I'll tell you exactly where the problem is. The problem is you, okay? It's, it's not this church. It's you. This church, here's what this church is great at, okay? Here's confession time from the pastor. I think this church literally is an extremely nice church. I really do think this is the friendliest church in all southeast Wisconsin. Amen. Okay, amen. Praise the Lord. Here's, though, what I think we struggle with. Here's what we struggle with, church, all right? I think we're friendly, but I think we struggle with hospitality. I, I think so. And I think part of that, part of that is, is the huge, this huge COVID thing that's going on which is, is only going to get worse. It's not going to get better right away. Oh, but Biden's got a plan. What, really, what's going to change, okay? Until they get a vaccine, and then when they do get a vaccine, let me just ask a question. Any of you want to be first in line for the vaccine? I don't. Why don't you call me in 10 years when everyone else has, you know, got through all the problems? You know, but the bottom line is this. Hospitality, they're saying the biggest problem with COVID right now is people uh, being at other people's houses. So, so I'm predicting, here's what I'm predicting. I'm predicting another shutdown. That's what I'm predicting. Uh, I'm not excited about it, but I'm just predicting they're going to have to go that way. And, and hospitality is going to get farther and farther away. Why? Because we're just going to be getting more used to Zoom calls, more used to phone calls, more used to socially distance. And I'm not, I'm not saying do anything different about it. I'm just saying that the way it is right now, that the act of hospitality, the act of truly sharing God's love for someone is going to be harder and harder and harder. Why? Because physically, people are getting further and further away from each other and more and more isolated, which leads to more and more depression, more and more frustration, more and more just loneliness in people's hearts, loneliness in people's lifestyle. And church, I, I think if there's any time that we show God's love, it's now and it's in, it's in the weeks and the months and the years to come that, that we are focused church on truly, genuinely caring making that part of our second na- nature where we are truly hospitable to who? What's the passage say? To, to the least of the body of Christ, okay? Not, not just hospitable to the, to the exciting parts of the body or the, the fashionable parts of the body or the popular parts of the body, but even to the least of the parts of the body. That we're truly hospitable, that we're truly caring, that we learn church to train ourselves. Say, Pastor Dan, how do I train myself to be hospitable? How do I train myself to truly care for people in the body of Christ? Here's what you do. Now listen, this is super practical. I want you, did I bring mine up? I didn't bring it up. I want you to start coming on Sunday nights. Listen to me, just listen carefully. And we, at Sunday nights, we hand out a prayer request list, okay? It's a sheet of paper, and it's got the prayer request from this church on it. You hand in a prayer request, you write it in the orange card, we type it out, we print out a list, we give it to you tonight. Here's what I want you to do, church. I want, when you see that prayer request list, I want you to start really thinking about, these are real people on this list. 
that are really sick, that really do need a job, that really do need some help, that really just lost a loved one, that really you know, are having a hard time in their marriage, that are real people with real needs. And you, for a moment, when you see that prayer list, put yourself in their shoes and wear their shoes for a moment while you pray for them and you act out on their needs and you help them and you see their name on a prayer list. Don't be afraid to go up to someone and say, hey, you know, I, I saw your name on the prayer list. I, I'm praying for you. You just lost your job. Can I make you a meal? Well, I don't know how to cook. Well, I'm, I'll take you to McDonald's. I don't know. Just come up with something. We'll get a frozen pizza at Menards or something. We'll share it, you know, whatever. But, but truly be able to show love and to truly be able to show care. And you put yourself in their shoes for the sake of genuinely showing how to care for people. Because church, I think the art of caring, the art of hospitality is all but disappearing in our nation. Here, here's a proof of that. How many of you remember watching Andy Griffin's show? Right? What happened to Andy Griffin's show at nighttime? Barney would just show up, and what, what would Aunt B say? Come on, and let's have a meal. Can I just ask you a question? When's the last time? I'm not saying do it, but when's the last time one of your coworkers just showed up, and you just had them inside, and you had a meal prepared, and you guys just ate together as friends? I mean, when, when does that happen anywhere? It just doesn't happen. I mean, nowadays, you go knock on someone's door, someone thinks like you're a, you know, you're a protester, you're a rioter. It's like, get away, you know. You're not even allowed. You're like, if someone walks down your neighborhood street, you're thinking there's a problem, you know. But, but I want us to work on church truly showing hospitality, truly showing care and love for each other, really, really praying over that prayer request list. Do you get that prayer list? You ought to get it. And you ought to be praying. When your emails come out, and sometimes people send a prayer request list to the, a prayer request to the church, and, and we email that out. Don't sit there and go, oh, that's nice. Someone just, you know, had a death in the family. Delete. You ought to really pray for that person. Really, truly. And get down on your knees and pray for that person. And if God's laying on your spirit to show love to that someone somehow, then do it. Church, here's what I don't want us to do. I don't want you to think, gee, do you think we should... If you have that thought come across your mind, do you think we should make a meal for that person? Do you think I should send a text to that person? Do you think I should call that person? If that, if that thought comes to your mind, do you think we should? You don't have to ask. You don't have to ask. You just do it, all right? If you're thinking in your mind, do you think I should send a text to someone? You just do it. Do you think I should send an email to someone and show some love to that person? Yeah, just do it. Do you think I should, should make a meal for that person? You just do it. Do you think I should just call that person, invite them over to watch a football game together? You just do it, all right? And so you don't have to call the church and ask for permission. You know, should I, should I go to the hospital and make a hospital visit? You just do it. If God lays in your heart to do something, you just do it. You pray for that person, you care for them, you, you show them love. Make that become part of your natural uh, response, like a second nature to you, to where it's natural. It doesn't mean that it's going to be easy. It doesn't mean that it's not going to cost anything. It doesn't mean that it's going to be a frustration of your time. It just means that, that it's on your mind, it's on your brain, that this is the body. And this is the family of God. This is part of our local church body. And even those parts that are the least exciting, the least attractive, the least popular... I need to be thinking, how can I show love to even those people? And one of the ways is to look at the prayer list and to realize what someone else is going through. How can I help make someone else's day? Maybe God lays someone, someone's uh, name on your mind and, 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 and you're thinking about it and, and you're praying for them. Well, don't worry if they don't email you or text you, but you could just send a text. How about this, ready? Hello, so-and-so. 
I'm praying for you right now. And then if you type that, pray for them. It's, it's easy to say, oh, I'm praying for you, whatever. You know? <laughs> no, I'm saying you pray for them. I'm praying for you right now. Put the phone down, turn it off for 30 seconds, and say a prayer for that person. Show that person you really care. Hey, just to let you know, I really did pray for you today. And, and if we did that, church, if we did that as a church, if we did it once a week, if we did it once a day, you know what the world would see? They would know that we're Christians. Why? Not because you're dressed in a tie today, not because you have your prettiest dress on, not because you went to church on Sunday. The world would know you're a Christian because of your love. They would say there's something different about those people. They truly care. They truly are sincere. They're not just lip service, but they're actually doing it. They really care. It's not rare like it is in the world, but it's truly, truly an authentic care. It's authentic praying. It's authentic concern for other people in the church, okay? And we get outside of ourselves and stop being focused on us and start being focused on other people, just like that passage said, just like the passage said, even those that are the least attractive. Now, from my viewpoint, when I'm up here at at the pulpit, when I'm preaching, when I look out of the crowd and I see all the men in this room, I know exactly who is the least attractive of this church. It's not hard. Now, the women, you're exempt from that, but the guys... We got a gnarly bunch of guys here at this church. <laughs> I don't think it's talking about that, but, but you get the idea, okay? So church, remember, we're the body of Christ. We're, we're the body of Christ that meets here at Dayspring. And down the street, there's a body of Christ. And down the street, there's a body of Christ on our side of town. Okay, we're all part of the big body of Christ, but, but we're a local family of believers. Let's show the world, our neighborhood, that we're Christians by our love, not not by who we're complaining about on Facebook or who we're ragging about or who, you know, what election this or... No, the world will know we're Christians because Dayspring's different because of our, our love. Okay? Everybody get that? Say amen. Okay, if you didn't say amen, I'm going to keep preaching. But I, <laughs> Amen. All right. Listen, church, let's share the good news of the gospel this week. Now more than ever. For by grace are you saved through faith. It's not of yourselves. It's a gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. This verse also is a great one to use for people, especially right now. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but what? Have everlasting life. It doesn't say go to church. It doesn't say give money. That's not what gets us to heaven. It says whosoever believes in him. Whosoever believes in the fact that when Jesus Christ died on the cross, his death paid the mortgage for our sins. God said, if you'd simply believe that, stop believing what you're doing and believe what Jesus Christ did on the cross of Calvary, you can know for certain you have eternal life. That is the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Okay? Let's have a word of prayer and we'll be done today. Father in heaven, we're thankful for our time together in our Bible study this morning. Thank you, Lord, for all those today that we were able to honor all those that serve our nation and have served our nation. We pray for a special blessing on those that have give and give and give so sacrificially. Lord, would you challenge us as a church to show our love authentically and genuinely, and Lord, help it to become second nature, that we're just a caring, sharing, loving church. Not, not lip service, but we truly care for those in the body of Christ. Challenge all of us this week, Lord, would you please? Would you challenge even the preacher this morning on that? Lord, maybe someone today has trusted you as Savior. They put their trust in the fact that Jesus Christ died on the cross and paid their sin debt. Thank you, Lord, for for them accepting that free gift of salvation. Would you give them just a special blessing? In your name we pray. Amen.
are very interested in you and your spiritual growth. If you want to contact Dayspring for prayer or more information, you can reach us at 262-404-5092 or on the web at dayspringbaptist.com. Thanks for listening.